0: Well, good morning. Welcome back to the Monday morning podcast called the Bread Truck Monday podcast. I'm glad that you are here with us yet again. We have Ben and Isaac here this morning. Um, this is a, a podcast we're doing every single week by the pastor of High Lakes Christian Church to talk about ministry and life and everything in between. And the whole idea is that sometimes it might be better to go drive bread, but we have a calling. As Ben said last week, sometimes it's better just leave the bread where it's at, right? <laughs> and so we're, we're striving to answer some questions, dive into some God's Word and figure out what it is. Is that he has in store for us, uh, in terms of being pastors, but also ways we can uh, work and bless our our church and our community here. But man, great week, great week this last week. Um, Isaac, did you climb a tree this week as well, or no? Just a big mountain, big mountain this yeah, week. We went and did some
1: trucker hunt, my buddy Jacob and I. So went out in the middle of nowhere, Eastern Oregon, and uh, nearly got stuck out. 15 miles down a road that wasn't fit for a side-by-side, let alone a Tacoma. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was incredible. I had to back yeah, but, up yeah, like a solid three miles. The, pin yeah, the pinstripes thing. are worse than they were. <laughs> Isaac, Tacoma's I'm, a
2: I'm never loaning you my truck ever. <laughs>
1: we got to tell the, the the audience one of these days about the Turkey story Ben and I have. Oh, that was, that was a serious pucker factor. <laughs> with that trip.
2: will save that for another time. But I, The real question is, did you limit out? Did you get truckers No,
1: I have been trucker hunting for, this is sad to say, trucker hunting for years, and I've never once limited out. They're hard birds to shoot. They are. (laughs) They're very small. Well, they're not that small. They're not small to justify me missing them as much as I do. But we did find um, quite a few birds, and we got five birds. So that's pretty good. Pretty good day. And we found some mountain quail. Wow. So what was the split? Did you get more than your buddy? No, he got... Well, he got three, I believe, and I think I got two, so he... going to have to step up your game. Better, yeah. That's, that's right. Not, that's not bad. He was, yeah, he's still a new truck, uh, trucker hunter, though, so I let him have it. So so it
2: was... It was <laughs> you, yeah. you were generous. You're being generous, generous yeah. there. So you're sure saying burp. you didn't even fire your gun. Is that what you're saying? That's right.
1: I just B caught him
2: straight out, <laughs> out of the air. Ben, you had a great week, too, as well. Yeah, yeah. So this week... um, I have a preacher friend over in Baker City. Big shout out to Jesse Whitford, go, Jesse. senior pastor at uh, Baker City Christian Church. Heck of a guy and a dang good hunter. And uh, he graciously hosted um, uh, my, uh, my my youngest daughter, Elise, and I. She's uh, 14, 13. Wow. She's 13. Um, got her first buck this weekend under the tutelage of... Um, of pastor Whitford. And, uh, yeah, it was great. We went out and, uh, she got a little three point muley, um, one on. shot, uh, clean kill. It was a great shot. Very ethical. Um, just a fantastic, um, just way to go. Awa- e. Awesome experience. Big shout out to E. Yeah. That's awesome. my daughter, Elise. Uh, we call her E. In fact, we used to call her baby E, but she's not a baby anymore. No, so no, we can't she's, call her that. Not when so, She's but, killing bucks. Yeah, no, when you're <laughs> killing animals like that, <laughs> you're not a baby anymore. <laughs> yeah, she was pretty stoked. It was it was awesome. Um, so I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit jealous because it was a bigger buck than I got this year for sure. So, but um, you always want your kids to 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 outdo you. Yeah. So.
3: Unless it's in the hunting woods. And then you don't anymore. You're <laughs> like, no. <laughs> Did you almost just take the gun from her? And be like, no, no, no let, let, me, let me shoot this one right here. <laughs> well, she had the tag, not me. Well, so. Let's go. Yeah. We don't, that's, this is
0: recorded. We can't. We can't, we can't <laughs> that's right. We can't, can't put that on the air. So.
3: Anyway. I had a great week too as well. Hey, my Seattle Mariners won two playoff games. We are actually going to be hosting
0: a playoff game for the first time in 21 years. 21 years. Can I could just, not believe. we. Me and my daughter were wearing our rally caps. We, we, we saw were, the social media hype. We were, hype, we were, we were was, posting. And
1: I left was and
3: right. hyped. I was going going after everyone <laughs> that way, but <laughs> so here's my commitment to you,
2: Aaron. Now that the Mariners are playing in the playoffs, I'm going to watch them. There
0: you, yeah. Well, yeah. The, the tough thing is that they're in the middle of the day. The game's tomorrow at 1245. Oh, wow. Which is like, who in the world we has have t- a huge screen. Yeah, we, we, there, we, have some, we have some, <laughs> some church uh, screens here. We can, we can watch it. But yeah, the Mariners, I, I was at the last time the Mariners hosted a game against the Yankees in the playoffs. The ALDS against the Yankees in 2001, me and my grandma went. We were there. It was, it was a hyped environment. People were yelling the entire time. It was awesome. So me and her, we have a plan that if they make it the, to the World Series... We're going. Your grandma? Yeah, me and my grandma. We're gonna we're gonna go. Who knows how we're gonna get there? And and she's getting up there in years now as well. So if you know anybody out there in this podcasting world that has tickets on like, you know, first base side. I'd love to go to, oh, to, to watch, yeah.
3: <laughs> see, see the world. The world Shameless series. plug. Shameless
0: plug. That's right. <laughs> uh, but no, great weekend. Um, just an awesome time of worship yesterday at church. Um, it was it was awesome to get the chance to have the the congregation just just singing out. I don't know if you got a chance to really hear yeah. that when we were singing, uh, oh, praise the name, man. That was Beautiful. I love getting the chances here in the congregation worshiping out like that. And so oh, it's awesome good. weekend and stuff. Way so, good. But this week, we dove into a, a difficult topic this week at... Uh, Church and on Sunday morning. If you haven't listened in on the sermon, you can go to our our YouTube channel, High Lakes Christian Church. You can also do it through our Facebook um, and and watch the sermon. It was an awesome one, Ben, man. Just such a blessing. Um, Appreciate that. um, But with that, one thing we talked about was this word covenant. Mm. And uh, it was kind of interesting. You didn't really describe what a covenant was, you just went like 100 miles and into it. And so, what is a covenant? And, and Isaac, yourself as well, as you would dive into this, kind of talking about this topic, what is it and, and why is it important? Why is it a biblical concept that really um, matters? You mm-hmm. know,
2: it's a great question. So, probably the most familiar metaphor for us modern people to talk about covenant is marriage. Mm. And so, marriage initially is a covenant, and it's a covenant between two people, um, it's a commitment faithfulness to one another, and there are always terms and conditions to covenants. That's why when we say our I do's, we're promising, we're making a vow um, of of permanent relationship, and that permanent relationship has parameters around it. Um, and I like to say love has boundaries, um, and true, true love is boundaried for the safety of the parties involved, and that's mm-hmm. why we have marriage to begin with. It's a similar concept with God. When we enter a relationship with God, we enter into a covenant. And covenant is not our idea. It's God's idea. And so if you look through the Bible, you're going to see a number of different covenants. You're going to see God's covenant with Noah. Yeah. Um,
0: I always pronounce that one wrong. Is it noatic? How do you pronounce it? <laughs> I, I'm going to leave that where it is. <laughs> <laughs> I always pronounce that one wrong. Because we have, yeah, there's several covenants that, that show up. Yeah, Noah's the first one, right? And what, what was the covenant, the partnership that God was offering to Noah in that, in that time?
2: Well, I mean, the covenant with Noah had primarily to do, if I'm not mistaken, had pr- primarily to do with the flood, mm-hmm. and it was the, a covenant to, to save him, basically, mm-hmm. and um, and so so actually, I'm going to think back here. So no, the first covenant with Noah is after he gets off the ark, the rainbow in the sky that I will never again destroy the earth by flood. Right. Sorry, I'm, I was thinking pre-flood, but it was post-flood, it was actually, post-flood, yeah. that God actually made that, that covenant with him. Yeah and um and so um god it's makes one
0: to like repopulate the earth get a chance to to return back to righteousness as opposed to what everyone was living yeah, lawless yeah. And, and sinful evil, and evil in that yeah. way
2: so so that's that's one of the first covenants in the bible um although you could argue that adam and eve were in a covenant with god as well yeah. having to do with their tending of the garden and their rulership over the earth etc sabbath
1: um, was a part of that too there was a, a um a rest promise um that they agreed to um Mm -hmm. with god as well um in that relationship and you see that sabbath that's a that's a huge theme through the old testament is that um as god rested so you too will rest and that's enforced throughout the old testament um now whether that looks like the typical jewish understanding of of sabbath or um us choosing in our own ways to to rest that's still
0: a requirement Mm -hmm. um that that's there And so they entered that partnership Mm -hmm. in the garden, obviously with God, walked with him in the the garden and all these kind of things. You know, sin enters the world. We talk about that all the time. And then Mm -hmm. from that now... God destroys the, the the world essentially and mm-hmm. Noah and his family are the only ones left over and so yeah. he gives him this covenant with the the rainbow in the sky saying yeah. go and populate and do these kind right, of things. Right. So so that partnership that entering into this relationship is less about now like uh I guess the the fruits of that but more of like now we need to be a people that actually You know, seeks God again. That was kind of Mm -hmm. the returning that God that He had for Noah. Um, So then we have the Noatic covenant, or however you pronounce that one. Then you have the Abrahamic, right? Mm -hmm. So He goes into a covenant with Abraham. Do you remember much about that one too, either as well?
2: Yeah. So God makes a covenant with Abraham. Um, uh, He first He calls him out of Ur, which is not technically the covenant yet until He makes a promise. And when God makes a promise then there is a covenant that's entered into. Now, interesting, um, God makes a promise to Abraham in Genesis 12, but the actual covenant moment doesn't take place until the 15th chapter of Genesis, where, um, where God uh, essentially ratifies a covenant, or uh, what would we say, like Makes it official, I makes guess. Makes it official, yeah. Um, and and it's confirms official, it, yeah. yeah. It's official through a blood sacrifice. Okay. Um, and so in Genesis fifteen, um, the word of the Lord came to Abram. I'm in Genesis 15, 1, uh, in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your uh, shield, your very great reward. And Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is a servant, basically. Verse three. Abram said, You've given me no children. Um, And then the word of the Lord came to him, um, this man will not be your heir. And so this covenant is specifically with regard to the promise of offspring and the inheritance of the land, the promised land, the the land of Israel that we know of today. And so God God makes this covenant. He says, Abraham, here's what I want you to do. I want you to sacrifice some animals, uh, cut them in half, lay the halves opposite each other with a trench down the middle, basically. And the idea was that these animals would be split apart. It's kind of a gruesome scene. And their blood would run into the trench. And then in a typical um, covenant of this era the two parties would pass between the halves of the dead animals in the blood in the trench which oh is kind of a disgusting goodness. picture but that's what took place and so each party S- sounds would, messy each party would take their shoes off and walk through this blood and it did would did
0: you guys do that when you killed your elk this year just, <laughs> just split it in half no, but, and start no, walking but, and in between Jesse, it Jesse will just appreciate that we,
2: we, we got a new tradition and that is that when you, when you cut the legs off the animal before you pack it out you actually leave the legs on a log you set them up on a log so that the animal's Spirit can run free Ooh, through the woods. So that mm-hmm. was our that was our little uh, that was my, my that was a new
1: thing for me. If I so. see four elk legs without a body on through <laughs> the woods, I'm gonna be freaking out of there.
3: That's terrifying. I'm terrible. cursing Absolutely. your name, Ben. As Absolutely
1: it happens, it's Ben's elk chasing me down.
2: So Jesse, your secret is out now, <laughs> and all the animals that you've harvested over the years, spirits are running free because their, their legs, legs are- were, were 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 laid atop a log. So the animal can run free, but yeah. so well, anyway, the, the the two parties would pass through, um, the 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 blood in this trench, and it, and it, and it did a couple of things. Number one, um, it 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 enforced the seriousness of the covenant. Mm-hmm. Uh, the covenant, the seriousness of the covenant is is basically to say that if I don't fulfill my end of this this agreement, um, may what happened to these animals happen to me. That's the idea. Um, but the other thing that it did was. Um, is is it brought these two parties into um, a uh, you know we, we've seen Native American ceremonies of people becoming blood brothers and so forth um, where they cut their arm and you know uh, or their wrist or whatever and they put they put their their blood together with somebody else and it's, mm-hmm. it, it, was a, it was a binding agreement between two parties. Okay. The interesting thing about the the blood covenant in Genesis 15 is that um, a torch passes between the halves. Abraham falls into this trance-like sleep, and as he's laying there in this uh, trance-like state, he sees the presence of God symbolized by a torch that passes between the halves. Interesting, Abraham, there's no record of him himself ever passing between the halves, and I think one of the cool things is um, Abraham didn't have a great part to play in this covenant. This was wholly motivated, and instituted by God that he was choosing to bless the world through Abraham,
0: so... Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. And so uh, out of this sacrifice now the partnership is is made and there is a un- union together between yep. God and and Abraham at that at that moment. Yep. Yep. Now you move forward. Yep. Okay. And then and then we have the Mosaic covenant that takes right. place. And that's probably the one that you were spending more time in, in service discussing right. you know in terms of the laws that were given and, and and how those were were handed down. Obviously we know like the Ten Commandments and things like that, but mm-hmm. as you talked about in the sermon that there there were six hundred and thirteen laws that were handed out of like this is how you remain righteous, right? Mm-hmm. And this is how you attain that that holiness that only can come between the the partnership with with Moses and the people of God, and as well as you know all those who would come after, right? Mm-hmm. And so that was what the people of Israel knew, right? That was right. that was their entire framework for life. Right. And you and you talked about that right. a little bit, right? That it, it it was it was what you did. Yeah. You went to the temple. You spent time, you know, in sacrifices. You you know the scapegoat existed. Mm-hmm. All these kinds of um traditional things that took place out of the Mosaic covenant that takes mm-hmm. place in Leviticus and, yeah. and, and those kind of yeah. things. And you can, if you want to fall asleep, you can read that for a little <laughs> while. right but um,
2: That's my, that's my Sunday afternoon nap. Right. But in that, what, what was Leviticus. the,
0: what was the kind of the connection that, uh, that Mo- Moses had with, with God? I mean, like what, what, what was that, that, that allowed that connection to take place? And what was the partnership that God was asking Moses for, um, when it, when it comes to that?
2: Yeah, so um, the Mosaic Covenant is, is probably more often referred to as the Sinai Covenant. Okay. Um, so obviously, you know, Moses leads the whole, let my people go, um, uh, shout out to uh, to Pharaoh, the 10 plagues happen, he leads the people of Israel, they part the Red Sea, God parts the Red Sea, and they they come to the mountain of Sinai, and, um, and the presence of God descends on the mountain. And, um, and Moses, of course, goes up there and gets the, the commandments from God, probably not only the Ten Commandments, but probably a lot of the other regulations, as well as the, the instructions for how to build the tabernacle. Well, um, when he comes back down from the mountain and he tells the people everything that God has said, the people responded with one voice and said, all that God has said, we will do. And so... Again, going back to the idea of covenant has terms and conditions Mm -hmm. and both parties have a part to play and they have a commitment and an agreement between them that this this is your part, this is my part. And so out of that flows really the religion of Judaism Mm -hmm. and the religion of Judaism um, uh, begins in a tabernacle, which is basically a temple that is movable. It's a tent. And so when Israel was doing their wanderings, they packed this tent around. And and then later on, under David's reign, um, he proposes the idea of building a temple for God that is located in, in Jerusalem. And um, and of course, you know the story, Solomon is the one that eventually builds that. And and so this this covenant relationship. It wasn't so much necessarily with Moses specifically, as it was Moses was a mediator of the relationship.
0: Yeah. Well, that 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 response, right? Just like how yeah. in in a wedding, right? right? When you you know, do you Isaac take Emily, you know, to 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 be your wife and all this kind of stuff? There's that response on both sides, right? That partnership is so key, and that response that Israel has is vital to the conversation, right, Isaac? When it comes mm-hmm. to that,
1: yeah, it's interesting too that when you look at like the Abrahamic covenant or the the Davidic one that comes later. Yeah. It's kind of like a God comes to Abraham and God comes to David and said, This is the covenant. You, David, you're going to, your throne is going to be established forever. And even though your offspring will commit iniquities against me, yet my covenant will stand. Wow. And so there's kind of like this, even though your future generations may not agree and may not follow this covenant perfectly. Mine's still gonna stand. But mm-hmm. that Mosaic one is interesting because the the one on Sinai, the people it is this agreement between two parties. And it's interesting because when Moses comes down from the mountain and um, they're having the raucous party, and they've <laughs>
0: they've made the calf. <laughs> Everybody's and naked. It's just fuck yeah, naked. It's real yeah. 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 Woodstock. Israel Woodstock. <laughs>
2: Israel Woodstock. Right there at the foot of Mount Sinai, man. That's the-
1: but what is does uh, Moses doing that moment? He throws the tablets down. Mm. And in an ancient language similar to Hebrew Akkadian, the term for breaking relationship with the with their God was to break the tablet. Um, And so it was a practice in those days that when a covenant was broken, you would literally throw the tablets, not like an iPad, but like a rock, (laughs) uh, like (laughs) a stone. You could do do both, I guess. Like the OG tablet down and it would break. (laughs) And so that's what uh, that was signifying in that moment is because of Israel's unfaithfulness, that covenant had literally been broken between them and between God. And one of the neat things that we're going to get into in Hebrews, as you mentioned this week, is that like even... When we've failed and even when we've broken the covenant on our end, we've got a mediator who's constantly interceding for us on on our behalf so that even when <laughs> um, even when we break the tablets ourselves, God's covenant remains that's, yeah that's um, a great because way to put it. because it's not dependent on our perfect obedience anymore, but it's dependent on um, the sacrifice uh, that created that covenant. And that's the other thing in Abraham's um, covenant making with God, that animal that's split in two also stands as a sacrifice that creates the means for connection between the two parties. So Jesus having done that for us, um, when we fail, the sacrifice is still sufficient.
0: Yeah, that's amazing, right? When you really think about that idea of the brokenness Both, you know, metaphorically, but also the brokenness of of the tablets, right, shows this idea that the the relationship is broken now. That was now given, and it and one of the things that when it comes to a covenant, it is it's so much more than just even just a relationship. It is an actual partnership where these two parties are coming together and choosing to say yes. We there is you know there's on the one side there's God's making a promise, and on the other side the community is making a commitment right? And that this commitment is going to be something they're going to fulfill. But as you look through the Old Testament, they continued to keep breaking those covenants yeah. over and over again. So you just brought up the Davidic. It's the next one, right? The Davidic covenant was between David and God and the, and the people that, that were there. And that whole covenant speaks to this idea of listen and obey, and I'm going to send a, a Messiah. Like That is going right. to be out of your line is going to come the one who is going to be the savior. And so the, the the relationship was one of, yes, we want you in relationship with me, but there's gonna be coming something greater on in this relationship that is going to be the, the fulfillment of all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's what the beautiful thing, when you look through this idea of covenant, when I was at Hope International University, we got this book that was called uh, What the Bible Says About Covenant by Mont Smith. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty funny. I was telling Isaac about this earlier this week, but in that book, um, it's really hard to get. Like if you go on like Amazon, mm-hmm. it's, it's really hard to find and everything and stuff because it's like out of print. So my professor actually photocopied page <laughs> by page the entire book and put it in a binder. And so I was, I was working in the library at the, at the school there. I was like the library librarian basically, which is kind of a funny job, but I was working as a librarian and I was reading this book page by page and it was, it was great, but man, so dry and so mm-hmm. boring. And I fell asleep <laughs> in, in, in the middle of this, this covenant book flipping page. By page. And the only reason I woke up is because it fell off of my lap and there was all these people in the library, like turned like, look, what is that guy doing? You know, I'm literally sitting at the desk there. But, but one of the things that I, that I, I loved about that book, even though it was dry and boring is this idea that when When the covenant is made, right, the the entire Old Testament side of it is fulfilled in Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have to get to Jesus in order for it to even make sense, right? Right. Because otherwise, it's going to, like you said, Isaac, it's going to be continually broken, Over and over and over again. And it's not until Jesus that that's healed and and realized. And so we talked about yesterday that this idea of the the priest that's in the order of Melchizedek, right? Mm -hmm. And that, wow, what a concept. I mean, that is, you want to blow your mind. That's going to blow your mind right there. But you talked about there's a potential of of a Christophany, this idea of Christ potentially showing up in. Uh, in the flesh, to some extent, mm-hmm. before yeah. he's even in in the flesh of being born to Mary, and 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 all of that is showing this idea that this Messiah is still going to be needed, right? And even though the covenant is there, it's not going to be able to fulfill what ultimately the Messiah will fulfill. Mm. And so, as you move your way to to the Book of Hebrews. Uh, and, and we talk about what we talked about y- yesterday. Specifically, you you spoke a whole lot about this idea of Jesus being the actual like fulfillment of that covenant and mm-hmm. bringing the new covenant. Yeah. And so we talk a lot in church about the old covenant verse versus the new covenant. Now, I think that's a, a bad way of looking at it, personally. Mm-hmm. But why is that such a contentious thing? That some stuff is old covenant. Some stuff is new covenant.
2: Yeah, so I, I think I think it's contentious because there's it's difficult to pinpoint um, um, some rules of interpretation when we read the Old Testament. Which, by the way, the Old Testament literally means old covenant. Um, yeah, that's what it is. It's an old. It's the old covenant. When we read the Old Testament, it's hard to establish rules of interpretation that everybody agrees upon. Okay. So there has to be a, a little bit of a hierarchy in terms of what rules are still binding in the new covenant versus which ones have kind of passed away with the old covenant. Mm-hmm. And the general rule of thumb is that the moral law still stands in the sense of it's those are still guidelines for us to follow. Mm-hmm. And the other the other general rule that I think most people most Christians today would, would wholeheartedly agree to, obviously, is whatever Jesus and the apostles affirmed from the Old Covenant is, it's not necessarily part of the New Covenant in terms of this is how you're going to be made right with God or you're going to relate to God, but there's still uh, things that, um, that matter to God, right. um, even though they don't save us per se, mm-hmm. um, they're not works that save us. We're not bound. It's it's a thread
0: that it, the thread is sure. is still there between yeah. what what God desires and yeah. what yeah. you know what is on the other yeah. end of that.
2: Well, I think there's some confusion too. Jesus says, "I didn't come to um, to destroy the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill them." And I think the way I the way I take what Jesus is saying there is not that Jesus um, isn't going to do away with the old covenant because I think he did do away with the old covenant. Um, what I take Jesus as saying is, I am the fulfillment of it. Um, and so he's, he's, he's saying it's never going to pass away, but he is saying, I am the fulfillment of mm-hmm. it. And I think that, to me, is very definitive in the sense that Jesus... Um, you know he he those the old covenant and everything that involved the old covenant, including the sacrifices and the temple and the priests and all that stuff, is all it's all a foreshadowing mm-hmm. of what Jesus would come and do for us. And therefore, Jesus is saying, "I'm the culmination of it." I'm so, a-
0: what do we do with people that um, begin to interpret Scripture right and they say, "Well, that's old covenant," and I and I'm I'm not holding to that anymore. And now that's a true statement. But but how do we how do we deal with that as pastors? How do we deal with that as Christians when it this interpretation seems to get kind of up into the air a little bit? It's a hard question. I know that one's that one's a difficult one because I think it, it does put us into a place where we're like, well, yes, but as you're saying, the heart of God didn't change.
1: Right. The heart yeah. of God doesn't change. Yeah, you know, part Go of ahead. it is I think helping people to fall in love with all of God's scripture. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, the more we preach from the Old Testament and the more we um, reference it, the more we tell stories from it, I think uh, there's a way to give the whole Bible um, a healthy respect and a love in the eyes of the congregation. All scripture is God breathed and is useful. Yeah. Um, at the same time, like making the main thing Jesus. And when, you know, when we lead, Uh, we're doing so with grace and we're helping people to understand that like Jesus is the fulfillment of all of those laws in the old Testament and all the requirements that you had to um, uphold living under that, you know, the Sinai covenant, Jesus is now the fulfillment. And so when you break one of those old commands, um, when you sin, um, the definition of sin hasn't changed. Right, right. Exactly. Um, but the, solution for making amends in that case the means of being made right has has been fulfilled in jesus
0: right so then so what does jesus do for us when he comes then like that's that's kind of the coolest part about the whole thing right that when when christ comes in in the flesh and becomes the unifying new covenant that we have what what partnership do we now have on the other side of that
2: I want to back up real quick because Isaac touched on something I think is really important. And just to kind of add a little bit to what Isaac was saying, I think when, when Christians come and say, well, that's old Testament, I'm no longer bond bound by this or that moral law. I think one of the things that we, I think this important to discuss with people is, is asking them how, how do you want your life to go? Hmm. Um, because th- those laws, um, we're not. They didn't just appear out of thin air. God, as our Creator, has written an instruction manual for life, mm. um, and so as you read through some of those moral laws, particularly, what you're going to find is this truly is the best way to live, mm. um, and it's and it's the way to experience the least amount of 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 emotional pain mm. um, by making some of these sinful mistakes, and so. While people are no longer bound to the Old Testament law as a means of being made right with God, we we the the purpose of the of of those commands is that God has our best interest in mind. Yeah, and so the question is, do you want God's best for you or not? Right. They're intended,
1: and they're intended to make us holy as well. Be absolutely, holy as I am holy. Yes, yeah, so absolutely. If we desire so. holiness. Um, then we do well to still. Pursue those as means of looking more like Jesus. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not the means
0: yeah. by which we're forgiven, um, yeah. but a means by which we grow more. Yeah. Into him. Well, and you and you did such a beautiful job with this on Sun Sunday. You said, you know, why would you go back? Mm-hmm. You know, like that's the that's the the part. In this case, it was very much a. Uh, way of life that was, you know, religious, I would say. And Mm -hmm. and in terms of that, but you were, you were speaking about in in personal life too, as well. Why would we go back to to the old way of living if eternity, if the things that we believe are true, Mm -hmm. right? That's so much better, Mm -hmm. right? And, and, and eternity is so much greater and such a better like uh, focus for the future. Why would we go back? Mm -hmm. And the temptation though is, well, it's easier, and, and life is 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 better on the other side. Mm-hmm. I loved how when you were talking about that, I could see uh, in the front rows of our recovery people, just nodding of heads over and mm-hmm. over again, of just saying, I know what that was like. And one of the things that I think uh, people that have been in church for a long time, I, I find myself in this category as well, is we don't remember what Jesus died for, mm-hmm. right? And because we don't remember what Jesus died, for us specifically, that we don't know what we're being saved from, we didn't have a "quote unquote" before
2: Christ passed. exactly, because we all of our our pretty much our entire adult life has been in relationship with God. We right. grew up in a Christian family, and that that does it's a great heritage that we have, oh, and it's a huge advantage in terms of um, n- hopefully not making some of those emotionally scarring mistakes that. That a lot of people make, but on the other hand, you can become its really easy to become complacent.
0: Oh, absolutely, and forget and, about. And I said I know that for myself that that happens where I feel like, you know, I guess it sounds weird, but like I'm almost a little bit envious of people that have had a testimonial story mm-hmm. that is a little bit more like Damascus Road esque because you're starting to say like, man, you had a moment where Jesus like slapped you around and said like, this this is. Truth, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, or maybe others in the church, where that haven't hasn't had that kind of experience, one of the things that I think that is is really powerful about what the covenant that Jesus offers to us is: this is a partnership to continue His mission to the world. And when it comes to us today, we don't have to have that Damascus Road kind of experience. We have a, a, a Lord and Savior who who died for us, gave us the chance to live for Him as a a part of that righteousness, right? That every day we're being made righteous as opposed to righteousness coming through a sacrifice that's done with a goat or a sheep or whatever the case may be. And, and I said, for me, I, I forget, I think sometimes that, you know, Jesus died for me too, as well, not just for those who are sinners, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but I said, when I was watching the recovery folks that were, were just constantly nodding their head, they've seen it, they've lived it. They know what that previous life of going back to is and they don't want to go back. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 it it's a bad life that was that was being lived. And, and I think for some of us today, whether you're listening on this right now, like, what is the thing that you're being saved from? Like, what, is, what, is, what kind of person could you be if Christ hadn't died for you? Mm-hmm. You know, and what, what things would you be selfishly like going after? You know, um, Ben talked a lot about shame, right, on Sunday, right, that he, that Christ covers our shame. But I think we always daily need to remember, like, there's something that Jesus saved us individually from, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's vital for us to understand that what that partnership really is. Because, yes, it's a marriage, it's a unity, but it's also just this idea that he's pulling us up you know out of out of this muck and mire the bad stuff that we potentially could still do <laughs> and could yeah. potentially still be a part of yeah I think that um you know
2: even for those of us who who grew up in a Christian home and this has been kind of our our only reality that we know is in relationship with Jesus I think when we think about how what he saved us from uh it's 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 really cool to think about your overall family heritage. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of times family heritages have um, what the Bible calls generational sin. And and if you grew up in a Christian home, you might not have committed those same sins because you, you were aware of God's plan, which was different from the way that your family lineage had lived. But I think that's one of the things that Jesus saves us from, um, allows us to not repeat some of the same weak weaknesses and the same sins that our family lineage has, mm-hmm. has fallen into. And so Jesus delivers us um, from those, those patterns of behavior that have existed sometimes for generations in our families. And um, what a powerful thing to to break that generational uh, um, handing off down to the next generation, to break that off so that it doesn't continue to be passed down yeah. in so our families. Almost
0: like the testimony is not just your own. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a testimony of, of the family, testimony of heritage of people saying, you know, this yeah. is what you were in the past, yeah. and there's mm-hmm. no reason to go back to that. You know, As we come to the book of Hebrews, though, if you guys want to flip there to where we were just briefly this, this last week, um, as we come to the book of Hebrews, though, what was kind of the landing point, Ben? What was the thing that you were really striving to hit home uh, for um, those who were in, in, in the congregation this Sunday?
2: I can't remember
3: because that was yesterday. (laughs) Monday's over. And I guarantee
2: you nobody else remembers either. You're right. (laughs) I put all this time and effort into these sermons. Isn't that funny though? And I can't even remember what I preached about like three days ago. Uh, How could I expect anybody else to remember or care what I preached yesterday?
3: I thought about that when I was like a youth pastor, right? You just do all these lessons and you get them all prepared and you're set to go. And then... There's no way that they remember a single thing they said. They would much rather remember the time that you like hit them with a dodgeball in the face or, you know, you did something stupid like in, at a group thing. That That's the thing they remember as opposed to this up. gospel yeah, truth. You, your
2: seniors are about to graduate. Like, what was your greatest experience in youth group? And they're like, they're like, yeah, when, you know. Somebody farted on me. It's like, seriously? <laughs> That's it? Yeah, that, was, that was the moment. <laughs> you know, just stupid stuff. It's like, oh, I remember that time when we were at the beach and, you know, somebody ripped their toenail off on a rock. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? How was how that... Yeah, you're like, man, I'm passing on all these great truths to our kids, and they're gonna they're gonna grow up and do great things. And they're like, yeah, what was your favorite part? Yeah, yeah okay, never mind. Nothing never stuck. mind. No, yeah, no, yeah you, you're just
3: wondering. <laughs> so, Please, Lord, let there be one thing that stick in the brain. But well, it's f- always funny when I
2: I finish a sermon, and I go out to the lobby and I meet people or whatever, and we're talking, and people come up to me and they they say, man, I got so much out of that. You know, this is they and they bring up what they got out, of it. I'm like, did I even say that? Like. <laughs> I'm not sure I even said that. And it's funny, you know, you have your big idea takeaways that you want people to go home with yeah. and you kind of emphasize, hopefully kind of underscore those points as you're preaching. And then you find out later that you completely missed the mark
3: because <laughs> what well, they remember or, isn't what you wanted them to remember. Or the well.
0: Holy spirit is
3: speaking <laughs> through them. You got to look on the positive side too as well. Maybe Depends they heard. It their takeaway. <laughs> I heard that I need to go divorce my wife, you know, like that, that's what I need to hear. And you're like, no, 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 that's not what I said. That's not what I meant
0: in any way, shape or form. Um, yeah. But your, your landing point was essentially this idea of like, why go back, right? That yeah. was kind of the, 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 the main premise of it. And what, what were you trying to hopefully drive home with that?
2: So the, the readers of Hebrews, the original readers of the book of Hebrews um, were Jewish people who had left... Judaism the religion of the Jews to become followers of Jesus to put their faith in their in Christ their Messiah which when you do that obviously you're you're kind of waving goodbye to the temple system um, all of your holidays change you know I mean in on some level um, your your processes of, of worship change because you're not bringing um, sacrifices and so forth and the Old Covenant, at the end of the book of, uh, of Hebrews chapter 8, um, it, it, it's discussed the prophecy from Jeremiah that says, I'm going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel. And um, by calling this, uh, covenant, the old, uh, this covenant new, he has made um, the first one obsolete, is what it says. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. Mm. And my point was, just like with technology, we don't go backwards with technology. Yeah. In fact, it's impossible to do so because that stuff eventually fades. I, I use the example of a floppy disk; like nobody yeah. uses those anymore. Why would we go back to
0: that? Well, this podcast is going to be on cassette. We're going to do a cassette, <laughs> a cassette <laughs> a, a version of, of the podcast. Okay, Aaron, I would really love to see you try that. <laughs> Could you see this like in the
3: lobby? We're just like, here's a here's a cassette. Yeah, yeah, yeah here's these. We uh, have
1: some people think
3: Oh, I, people would take hey. it for sure. Yeah, probably half of our church would appreciate it on cassette, <laughs> you know, but.
2: But no, I mean bam, bam. So, so what I'm saying is, listen, we don't go backwards with technology. Mm-hmm. When something becomes obsolete, it means it's no longer useful. And um, and so it, it what what I think what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that the old way of relating to God and being right with God through sacrifices in the temple system is now obsolete. Mm-hmm. And And so for us as Christians now, um, we're not tempted to go back to an old religion, an old way of relating to God. Um, At least if something becomes obsolete, at least it wasn't obsolete at some point. It Mm -hmm. was a legitimate, valid way of relating to God Mm -hmm. before Christ. For a lot of us, before we knew Christ, we didn't have a legitimate way of relating to God at all, period. So why would we go back to something that was, it's not our previous way of life, if you're if you're a follower of Christ now and you're not Jewish, your previous way of relating to God was a non way of relating to God. It mm-hmm. was never a sanctioned way to begin with. It was terrible. It was worse than obsolete. It was worse than it obsolete. Was it was obsolete. It was never valid to begin with. Exactly. To God. Yeah. And so my point is how much more should we not go back to the old way of life? Because mm-hmm. ours was our old way was never a valid way to begin with. And so I'm encouraging people to forget what's behind and to embrace the way of Christ and not look back.
0: Yeah. Amen. So that's beautiful. Loved it. I said, uh, I think that a lot of people took, took a lot from it. I could see a lot of uh, wet eyes in, in the congregation <laughs> when people were, were thinking through those ideas, because, yeah, why, why go back? Why, why return to an old way of life? I love, I love one of the things when we always say when we're baptisms, right? You're dead to the old and raised to the new, right? Mm-hmm. There, there is no reason to go back to what is dead. It's gone. Yeah. It's not, it's not coming back, you know. Yeah. And and our and our goal is to continue to keep pushing forward daily uh, in righteousness and and hopefully every single day living a life that that's giving God honor and everything that we say and do um, to the best of our ability, you know. And mm-hmm. and that's a that's a challenge. Like that's thing accepting Christ. Is really pretty easy, right? It, it's you know, he, I, I believe Jesus is the Lord, and I got baptized, and you that, you do that in a matter of minutes. The living it out every single day is the hardest part of faith, you know, and that and that's something that, that that is difficult when it comes to that. Well, hey, member of the week. We got a member of the week. We're going to be shouting people out every single week, people that we want to call out. Isaac, who is our member of... Who, do you have one?
1: You have one we percolating? Have, we have one of the most phenomenal graphic designer helpers in our Ooh, church. Oh, I, I know does you're talking so about. so much for, uh, for the office and for all of our... These three guys have zero idea how to... Design well. Yeah, our, I know. Our, yeah. Our, Aaron's actually pretty good, but I'm he's colorblind, though. <laughs> that doesn't help. So, that is a problem when you're making graphics. It's absolutely it. a problem.
2: Yep.
3: But he's still pretty good at it, mm-hmm. like shockingly. <laughs> and he's actually really good with colors, surprisingly.
0: That's amazing. But I am yeah. colorblind. But this person is way better than me. Absolutely. No, no doubt about it. So
3: this
1: week, member of the week, we got a, a mug coming at Ooh, really? if you. Oh, really? Haven't already? You're, you're, they're they're mug. getting mugged? I don't. I don't know if we ever took one to them. I don't know. It might have been pre mug. It might have been pre
0: mug. Shauna Savard, Shana, you woo-hoo-hoo!
1: are a boss. Thank yeah. you so much Shana. for all that
0: you do. Yeah, she makes all of our bulletins. She uh, does every week. Every week. Every week out of the kindness and goodness of her heart. Um she, she makes a lot of our, our signage around the church, yeah. um, graphics and logos that are on the screen, website. Man, she is a godsend and, and and is we awesome. You. Yeah, we appreciate you yep. greatly. Somebody that, that you know, if anybody else is there. If you are gifted in that way, hey, we could always use you. You know, there'd be something that we that,
2: Aaron's just trying to do less work, <laughs> that's is exactly the bottom right. line, dude. Uh, He's
0: there, just like Is hey, there
3: anybody that can run please. life groups? I mean that, <laughs> He's like... Eh, I'm tired of working. My, I just my want some goal, volunteers to do this Hey, for me. isn't the goal to replace <laughs> ourselves, right? That That is, that is our goal. That and it's Aaron uses that excuse every <laughs> yeah, time. Right. I'm like, Aaron,
0: is get there, to work.
3: Do we have a, mas- a masseuse in the church? <laughs> maybe we can have like a massage therapist. I don't know.
0: Hey, but well, we really appreciate you, Shauna. And it's been awesome to have you be a part of the team, I guess, and maybe in, in a way that's different than than being yeah. here in the office and those kind of things. And, man, we couldn't do without you. And, and 100%. We, re- we really, really thank appreciate you, Shauna. So thank you, so and we much. love you. Yeah, and we love you too as well. So, where we're going next week, Ben? What's the What's the plan next week for for the sermon? Have you even thought about it? Have you Have you been marinating on the goodness that is coming up here in the well, future? Well,
2: okay. So, the bad news is we got one more sermon that is a little bit cerebral. Maybe you might say brainy. Some Some, the, some theology. Someone and I, say I, heady. I know that first. <laughs> that first. Okay. That first, that, first, that first third of the sermon, it was a little tough to follow. Um, this next week, um, a similar concept when we start talking about the temple okay. and the sacrificial system. So we got one more week in that, and then things are going to get real practical. Okay. Um, so if you'll bear with us through this week, it's, it's still going to be amazing because we're going to relate um, how Jesus once and for all carried his blood into the Holy of Holies, and sprinkled that blood as an offering for sin, not the Holy of Holies in the earthly tabernacle. So it's basically a comparison for, of the sacrificial system to what Jesus did. And it's really cool because it kind of fleshes it out. And I, you know, I've i always said that um, without a proper understanding of the Old Testament, um, you miss so much in the New Testament because yeah. there's so much that is carried forward in the symbolism and the foreshadowing. Um, of the sacrificial system and how it relates to Jesus so we're going to unpack that this week and we're going to talk about blood that covers sin mm-hmm. and that's uh that's always a that's always good news so
0: and, yeah it doesn't get any better than no that. it doesn't
2: get any better but then after that we're going to be talking about running the race of faith and um, and uh, the cloud of witnesses that surrounds us and um, what a beautiful um, what a beautiful testimony our faith is, and the legacy of faith that we leave for future generations of uh, how to do this, do this race, and do it well, finish it to the end. So, yeah, yeah. can't so, think
0: of a better way to end the podcast than that. That Christ's blood covers us. You can listen on uh, Apple Podcasts anywhere you get.